Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, and my God, I love Kevin Smith, and the good folks at Funko have popped me again, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. There is a director pop, Kevin Smith, and how embarrassing I'm dressed exactly like him. Look at it. He's wearing a hat, purple jacket, written, directed by Kevin Smith shirt. So thank you to the good folks at Funko Pop. You looking for this? You want to add this to your collection? Guess what, kids? Amazon exclusive. That's right. You go to Amazon.com slash Jane Silent Bob. We got a whole bunch of Jane Silent Bob merch there. That's where you're going to find this pop. Also, JaneSilentBob.com. At Jane Silent Bob Secret Stash, we're going to be doing signed versions. We got a limited amount that we that Amazon let us buy from them. And so we're tagging them. Me, Kevin, will be signing them all. And then, bam, you'll be able to buy them signed just in time for the holidays, ladies and gentlemen. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek. You guys rock. And now, here's Will. That's right. It's another edition of NetHeads, but not your typical edition of NetHeads, because this is a NetHeads for charity, and I'm not alone. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm the least person in control right now of the program, uh, because sitting with me uh, is somebody you've heard on NetHeads before, and uh, whose presence I have always enjoyed and communication I've appreciated across the pond and across the internets. Uh, welcome to NetHeads, and thank you for having me. Dr. Squee. Thank you very much for once again bringing NetHeads. You were here for the first Squee Fest a couple of years ago, so it's great to have you back. And I was just actually thinking, I was looking at you there, because uh, you've lost uh, some weight since the last uh, last one we did, I believe. Uh, I, I think that's a common issue. I think since we first knew each other, I think we've lost an extra podcaster between our weight losses. <laughs> Fair enough. We've I think... At least, uh, you know, the one that's uh, just a few stones, uh, you know, between us, one of those lightweights that you've seen walking around where you're like, eat a sandwich, please. Those kind of people. But anyway, thank you for having me. Uh, First of all, let's make sure everyone is clear on this. Let's make sure and, and, you know, just a broadcasting essential one. Anyway, let's remind everyone the charity that we're talking for. And if they're hearing this after the fact where they can go to still continue support. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I have been uh, so thankful to the outpouring, the donations which we've had. Uh, the charity which we're raising money for is NHS Charities Together. Uh, basically, the reason why it's NHS Charities Together is the NHS obviously does so many different things here in uh, the UK, and they've got loads of different charities representing the different areas. This is kind of one charity which brings everything together the one ring to bind them all if you will to bring it back to geekdom and uh its main focus at the moment as you might imagine is uh covid response and uh supporting the staff and the volunteers of the nhs who are uh, under increasing pressure i had on earlier uh, my friend michelle who is an nhs nurse and she's being asked to work uh more weekends more hours into the night uh for less overtime than they would usually get and that just shows you some of the pressure they're under. And uh, 
as well as uh, doing all this wonderful work, they're also working towards cures as well at the NHS. So it's not something which just affects the UK. Not that I think that any of your dear listeners would be, ever be so selfishly as to uh, geolock their compassion. I know your your listeners are so discerning, they care about people around the world, but even if you're selfish about it, we find a cure, we find a cure for everyone. So it's worth uh, putting some skin in the game just for that. We're currently at 300 pounds and I set the uh, total, uh, the aim at 200 pounds. I wouldn't set it low and surpass it. We've already like got uh, half again over what we wanted, but I think we can do better. Definitely. Keep going, guys. Um, so please, there we go. Um, and please, if you can, anywhere you can help. I'm actually realized that I have lifted my, my social media mask embargo for this. I've been, uh, one of the things I've been doing because, uh, uh, as some of the people watching live may not know, or you can definitely tell from my accent, I'm here in the United States of America. And, uh, one of the things I started to do in, in one of the, the very little ways I felt I could contribute was to uh, wear a mask on social media so that way I could normalize the appearance because it's such a hot topic here. But uh, I'm actually at the point now where I'm, I'm willing to lift that embargo anyway because it's, I don't know, I don't want to say I'm completely throwing in the towel, but... I mean, earlier tonight, my uh, I went out uh, to get food uh, for my family. Everyone said, hey, you know, it's Saturday night. Let's have some Mexican. And, and my daughter said, let's go to the one in the next town over because it's supposed to be really, it's it's better than the same named restaurant we've got here in our town. And I said, sure, no problem. I've got my mask, my hand sanitizer, the whole lot. And I walk in. Thankfully, everyone was wearing a mask, but it's got one of they have one of those uh, people cues like you see in amusement parks where it's at least like one lane that wraps around to go parallel with one another. And when I walked in, everyone's just standing next to each other. And I just started shaking my head going, it's it's never going to end. So hopefully, yeah, we need a cure and we need it now. So anything we can do to contribute. And it's and it's quite admirable that you're that you're doing this and and you know uh some people may say oh you know 300 pounds but that's 300 pounds more than were donated before and any size effort i think is appreciated in this modern day and age uh, especially in such a hot topic climate no matter where you're at there always is some issue i know like here in the states with the regrettable passing of ruth uh, ruth bader ginsburg yesterday the Democratic Party in the 24 hours after her passing has raised over $80 million. So obviously people are interested in in giving no matter what the financial hardships we've got going on. But you know what? Let's talk about slightly more uplifting topics. Throw something on that just very quickly because yeah. something which I've tried to say on a regular basis during this stream is that uh, I do really appreciate there are some people in very financial uh, financial difficult straits, people have lost their business, people have lost their jobs, people who are really hurting for money. So please, uh, the, the other part of it is I do want this to be something which people can enjoy. And if people are in a financial situation where they cannot afford any money, please enjoy this. Like this is for you as much as for anyone else. Just if you can afford it, please do donate. So I just want to reiterate that point as much as I can throughout the 24 hours. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and that's the thing too. Uh, it's, we've all got to do what we got to do. And, and if nothing else, hopefully, even if it is without a contribution, we are providing some form of, of entertainment. That's the, cause that's the goal. I was, uh, 
I've been recently going through, um, I don't know, kind of a, a self-exploration, questioning the motives. Why is it I do what I do? You know, I uh, here in the States, another hot topic is TikTok. And I think they just got a kind of a presidential reprieve here. And it's not going to get banned as of tomorrow uh, from the app stores. But uh, it's like, why am I even doing videos there? What is my goal? What is my purpose? And I got caught up in that game that I think a lot of people do when you have some type of online presence. You start to obsess about the numbers. And when you're doing that, that's that's the wrong reason. Uh, you know, yes, I am quite an attention whore, but the reason why I do this is because I hope I provide something positive and uplifting to people. So that's that's why I'm here now, to hopefully add a positive contribution to this no matter what. So how are you, sir? It's like you said, it's been a while. I don't think, I think the last time we spoke, I don't even know if it was a post who conversation or it was the trivia. It was the trivia contest contribution, I think. Okay. I, uh, it's, yeah, it's been very weird. Like, I, uh, when I think back to like, uh, when we did the last squeak, like that's kind of my benchmark at the moment is kind of like, I've been thinking about loads of things of, uh, there's some, there was a show which we launched at the last Squee Fest Retrek, which is now uh, spun up into its own thing. It was just something fun to do on the day as a uh, Star Trek podcast, as you might have guessed by the name. And uh, they've now done that as a going concern. Uh, the guys who I, I, I did the initial one with, it was with my now fiance, Nicola, and uh, James Nelly. And they've spun it off into their own thing. They've made it their own. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and have they completely cut you out? Well, no, I cut myself out actually. Oh, to begin okay. with, I was kind of like, oh, brilliant, we'll do this. And I realized, like, yeah, you cannot do every podcast going. You actually have to have some time to have experiences to talk about. We can't all be Kevin Smith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, but, but it's wonderful. Like, every now and again, I want to talk about um, Star Trek and, like, I can scratch that itch by going on the show I help create. So I've kind of I've given myself an outlet for that, which is kind of nice. Is it a little uh, awkward, though, when you have to ask your fiance if you can be on her podcast? No, she is not a regular member. I think okay. we, between us, agreed we just uh, couldn't weekly find the time to do it. Fair enough. However, we, we we love going on there and guesting like we did tonight, and that, that was absolutely glorious. So I kind of guess I've been like uh, seeing things through that prism tonight. Like, what's different between two years ago and now? So uh, me and Nicola, we just started dating. We're engaged now. Yes, like, congratulations uh, on that. Thank you so much. And uh, we got engaged actually during lockdown, which is kind of like uh, one of the weird things. It's it's one of those things where I thought about, like, should I propose to her? Because, like, it's really weird. It's in lockdown. And I couldn't go out and buy a ring at the time. And then I thought, well, if you're worried about that, you're really, like like you were saying, it's about looking at the wrong thing. It's looking at the ratings, over looking over why you're doing it, what you're hoping to achieve. I'm hoping to achieve like a life together with my fiance. Like, what does it matter? Like, if I can't buy the ring right now, I can can have this moment with her during a really difficult time that was wonderful so i guess it's it's like about um yeah so so when when i did the last grief fest i'm really not in the grand scheme of things moved into this place uh, that long i just kind of gone past the stage where i was considering myself as divorced from my ex-wife if that makes sense i'd gone past that to being single again in my own right and then starting to see nicola and uh yeah, I I don't know if that answers your question. I think I've lost track of reality at this stage. I think I'm like something like 15 hours in at this stage. So if that answered your question at all, meh. 
Yeah, it's okay. As long as we came close. But you know what? I, I actually applaud you for getting engaged during this. Because first of all, it's a testament, obviously, to the relationship. Because um, how does one say this? Things can get really tense when you're always around one another. So if that was something that 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 you're like you know this is what i want to do that that's an excellent comment about where you are in life uh especially when you can't leave uh the the other thing too though is think of it this way at least you're also helping attach a very positive memory to a very dire time so one you know they say that they, we only remember the good times and the bad times and this way you will remember the good time way more hopefully than the bad time i think there's definitely something in there that uh, i think people like imagine that oh my god like you spent all this time in lockdown you must be getting on so great to have got engaged it's like one of the things to me is that you can have these arguments which are inevitable during the situation and people try i think gloss over it it's like that social media thing of only posting good things but the the thing which you really taught me was I can argue like cats and dogs with my fiance, but I still want to spend then the rest of my life with her. I still want to spend the rest of the day with her. I still find that uh, even though we kind of almost live out, out of each other's pockets at times, we're working together at home a lot of the time now. Um, and I still want to spend my off time with her. And like that, that's the real test. It's not like if you don't argue, it's if you argue and you still want to be together and you still want to be around each other after having those arguments. And like, of course, you have those wonderful times as well. You wouldn't just do it for the arguments, but the arguments are part of the journey. That's all part of it. So it's all gravy. Definitely. And, you know, not to mention there's a certain point where in a relationship you realize every fight doesn't mean the end of the relationship. It just means two people are coming at something from a different perspective and five minutes later it can be all hugs and kisses again and it's fine because you realize that there are important things and unimportant things and a lot of arguments really kind of stem from unimportant things in the grand scheme of things anyway but you know what i'm not here to act as your therapist or to analyze you but you did bring up something very interesting when you mentioned, uh, you know, how there's kind of the social media aspect of just posting about the good stuff. Um, because we are on different continents, I have to ask, uh, via Netflix or any other avenue in, in the UK and abroad, is there a uh, venue for you to have seen a recently re released what I'm going to call a docudrama in a weird way, The Social Dilemma? I have not heard of this one. Okay, it's really interesting. It just dropped on Netflix a little while ago. And I'll tell you the reason why I think it's interesting. Not only because it's reframed my thinking about a lot of things, which, you know, could just mean I'm easily influenced. But it's be, it's a documentary where they made an interesting decision. They, uh, they interviewed. It's a documentary built around speaking to a lot of people that were involved in the early days of social media and the development of the algorithms that are built to help uh, make those businesses viable. And uh, they did an interesting choice, though. Even though they've got a document documentary and they've got subjects to speak to, they also create a, a fictional narrative to help provide a better visual, if you will, to what they're trying to describe on what these social media algorithms do. 
So in other words, it's one thing to sit there and say, well, you know, the algorithm will notice your habits and they'll, it'll try and give you content that's relevant to you. But then if you stop engaging, there's another element of the algorithm that says, okay, well, we've now got somebody who isn't engaged anymore. So what can we do to re-engage them? Oh, well, let's take a look instead over at these friends that might pique his interest or these subjects and start funneling them in there. I think that in the art, in the narrative, they refer to it as a, uh, as a like not a Lazarus, but a um, uh, uh, not a resuscitation either. Doesn't matter. Bringing something back to life is the point. Um, but in doing that, so they've got these actors playing out the parts. So that way, you, huh? Reanimation. Yeah, there you go, or or something. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's a detail that I'm now going to get cut off on for ten minutes, and it's just going to totally derail us. So I'll I'll avoid it. Um, and in, in initiating that protocol, you know, it they demonstrate how the algorithm doesn't care what kind of content or the moral uh, right or wrongness of that content. It just knows that this particular content might get somebody who hasn't been engaged more engaged and keep them on the platform type of thing. And, and when they have these actors acting these parts out, it sort of distracts from the element. But... The, the, them and their acting really isn't the point that I wanted to get to. The point was that uh, it really kind of tells you in this the the great lengths and the moral ambiguity that are out there to keep us engaged with social media. Now, personally, I don't use Facebook or Instagram as my news sources. Uh, and I don't know if this change has rolled out for you abroad uh, from my perspective. Uh, I'm abroad from your perspective, but uh, I noticed that uh, one of my regular go-tos is uh, Google News, right? Uh, that's how I read my news every morning now. I don't, you know, get the paper. I, I don't watch the telly. I get it from Google News. And now when I look on my smartphone, right, in the Google Chrome browser, instead of the typical view I got, they made an interesting change. And I want to know if this is also available when you look at it, because now instead of top stories and local news, maybe something I'm following, which I don't, um, now instead, the first item is for you on there. So this is the news they feel I want to see. And here is the scary part about that article and the way that I look at this now, because uh one of the people made mentions that we as humans are still also software because a lot of what we do is based on behavior. So have you given any thought in your world to how the potential with, uh, for people with, let's say, amoral desires may be able to utilize through advertising exploitation of this algorithm, these business models to actually reprogram you by developing new habits for you. And and that also is kind of in this documentary. So uh, what's your daily engagement with social media? Like, how do you mainly use it? I mean, I guess, uh, like, it, it is still something like I do look at Facebook on, on my timeline and, and I find myself scrolling. It, it's not how it used to be, though. It, it's interesting because I think in this effort to try and get you to engage more by bespoke in your experience and it's kind of interesting that this was on uh, netflix as you mentioned because netflix is really notorious for that as well there is no uh, browser for netflix to view everything they give you your bespoke 
look at Netflix. This is the programs you watch. So these are the programs you're going to get advertised. And uh, Nicola would actually go onto my Netflix sometimes because she wouldn't get recommended some shows which she'd see on mine. So she'd go on there to see them uh, because she knew it was doing this. And uh, like, and it's the same with Facebook. I used to love going on there and just seeing everyone on there, all my friends. I could just see what the most recent things which are posted and then I could see through what's happening. Now I get like this bespoke timeline of people I've engaged with recently or people they think I should be engaging with right now. I find myself looking at it for a lot less time because I just am seeing the same stuff and it makes it less interesting to me. I love the random nature of Facebook and Twitter still a little bit better at it, but I think that's probably going to go towards that as well. They keep on tinkering with these things. This is the thing. Like when you enjoy it, they love playing with it to make it different. Like the amount of facelifts Facebook goes through. And it's just like, oh, gee, all it means is I've got to find where that button is now, really. Mm -hmm. And they've added two buttons, which I didn't want. Like I didn't want a feed just for videos, for instance. I just I just wanted, I wanted my stuff, which everyone's posting just in random order. The chaos is the lovely thing about it. The fact that you might not know which friend uh, has been online recently that's posted something interesting. So I, I think the more they try to get me, the less they get me. The more I find an advert, like the most ridiculous thing they do is if you look up on Amazon a pair of trainers, uh, then it will try and sell you the same pair of trainers you've just bought. Even if you bought it, even if you purchased, it will then show you adverts for those trainers. And it's like, I just bought them. What, that's the last thing I want to buy right now because I've just purchased some trainers. You're still I cooking for them, sir. It's, <laughs> I, I don't, it, it really just drives me nuts, that kind of thing. It's like, you know, don't try and sell me what I've already got. My and I think that's what they do with all these things. Like, they think it's bespoke, but it's just it's just selling me what I've already got. Yeah, my my personal experience now, the only reason, the only time I engage with Facebook is either when... It's a serious life event that I have to acknowledge. Uh, well, I shouldn't say have to. Poor choice of words, but but you know, that I should acknowledge. For example, yesterday was my 26th wedding anniversary, so I know that I'm going to go on and I'm going to post something to you know acknowledge how much I love my wife and appreciate we've been together for 26 years. Uh, even though in this year I probably did the least satisfying effort because she did such a wonderful post, I just reshared it because I couldn't say anything better than that. I couldn't create an image montage she did better than that. Uh, so it's it's that. So the close familial items and then just for business purposes. Oh, new episode of NetHeads has dropped. Oh, you know, a, a new thing of Kevin Smith's is happening. This, that. Uh, almost the same thing for Instagram. I don't really integrate heavily with that as well, which is interesting since they're both Facebook products. I think my main social media feed still is Twitter. And that's only because I can still control seeing the latest, uh, even though, of course, I'm just going to see what I follow. So it is still a very tailored conceptual feed. Uh, but but still, I can at least control the zeitgeist of it. I can see what's now and recent. Um, and, and I don't know. Do you have much experience with TikTok yet? Uh, TikTok is not one I engage with. Like, I mean, sometimes I... It's almost like I want everyone else to decide if it's something I'm going to need. Like, so I, I will wait for other people. Like, I'm a late adopter on purpose, almost. I want people to to kind of like uh, beta test it because there's so many of these platforms which just come and go now. 
I want to just see which ones are going to last first before I get engaged with them, before I spend time setting up profiles and stuff, because I made the mistake with Google+. Plus. I made the mistake with... Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of another one, but just there's, there's so many of these things which have come and gone, and I've wasted time, I feel like, uh, engaging with them. I want to know they're going to last the course and that there's something which I'm not getting elsewhere. TikTok, I just didn't, for me, see the point. I'm not saying it's pointless because there's so many people who are TikTok stars, for instance. They're people who make a living off this somehow. Uh, but it just, I, I don't see anything it's going to give me that I'm not getting elsewhere. It's the most dangerous platform if you are concerned about losing time because the maximum video length is 60 seconds which doesn't sound like a major commitment. But if you've watched 10 TikToks in a row, you've lost 10 minutes of your time. If you've watched 60, there's an hour. But it's very interesting from a voyeuristic perspective, from a comedy perspective, and their algorithm is really good because based on what you watch and you like or say you're not interested in, you do build a very customized feed that will at least 75% of the time keep you entertained. So going back to the social media, uh, social dilemma documentary, after I watched it, I'm like, you know what? Uh, because everyone's always talking about TikTok's algorithm. I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not going to look at it for a whole day. Okay. I haven't looked at it since I watched this. I'm not going to look at it again until the following day. And I'm going to see what happens. And I kid you not, even though I don't have on my iOS badges turned on for it knowingly, somehow, you know, you always miss something and some badges come through the number indicator on the app. And I literally watched it that day do something it's never done before. Suddenly I've got two notices. Now I've got five notices. Now I've got 15 notices. So there's something going on there. And it's, it's purposely pinging me, trying to get my attention, which after seeing that documentary scared the heck out of me. But it is interesting to think about if, if you think about these algorithms that don't care about what they're feeding us, or if you think about these algorithms from a perspective of somebody playing what I refer to as the long con, right? Or let's, let's put a positive term to it. They're playing a long game. There is a way. And in the U S we've seen this from the 2016 election and the interference and some of the, the counter, uh, protests that had been set up and the way that false uh, false narratives are used or supposed news stories are used to help elicit a reaction. If somebody's playing a long game, I almost feel like social media in a way now could be the way that they reprogram the thinking of the masses to align more with what they want. And Interestingly enough, I think Doctor Who almost made a commentary about this in series seven, I think it was, with the uh, with the uh, with the intelligence uh, forming, you know, the company that was literally bringing people in through the Wi-Fi. You remember that? And they talk about how we're giving away so much of our information freely. It really started to scare the living heck out of me. And mind you, we're doing this and sharing this through social media. So I'm I'm surprised the social media police haven't started knocking on the door. But it's one of those things that I think we really need to be careful about our relationship with technology. Because I even notice now, and I noticed it when I would always go on the commuter train, just how disengaged we are from one another in society because of the convenience of the technology that was put in our hands. And... I don't think there were ever any bad intentions 
in the creation of that. It's just the implementation. Well, it's like it's this step-by-step uh, -step thing. So, like, it, it starts with just being, like, Facebook. Like, this is the social media. This is a place where you can just catch up with friends and meet new friends. And isn't that wonderful? Then they start uh, making it, trying to make it more addictive. So they start uh, feeding you stuff that's going to get you looking back again, like, and uh, trying to learn algorithms for what you like and what, you know, they can push away and, and maybe over time what they can sell you because they start doing adverts and stuff. It's then we're at, we're at a new worrying place, I think, whereby it's, it's a bit insidious, the things which I've mentioned there already, but what happens when, um, I'm sorry, but like, I don't want to get too political, but Donald Trump, once uh, you can tell by certain things he said, certain things he's gone towards to control how social, social media is used, what they can and can't say. That's when all these tools which they've created, if he gets his hands on them, becomes state-run media. They've set up this wonderful contraption that if, if the wrong pair of hands got in charge of it, it is ready to be um, so much more actively abusive than passively um, uh, manipulative. And that's exactly my point. It's true, in the wrong hands. And I even saw someone saying something today, and again, I haven't validated the information, so I'm in no way, shape, or form endorsing it or believing it, but they brought up the point that part of the reason why they view the, the here in the States, they're saying TikTok as a security concern or working under the guise of it is because they don't have access to the data and like from a perspective of uh, cooperation with law enforcement, uh, informational inquiries made by law enforcement to Facebook, for example, are fulfilled a lot more than they are from TikTok. And because they aren't able to get that data and information, that's where the real problem lies. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, honestly speaking, I knew in my heart of hearts that this supposed ban that the U.S. was facing wasn't going to go through because somebody on that guy's campaign is definitely going to tell him, you know, there are a ton of eligible voters that use that app. And if we take it away, they're not going to be happy with you. And, and That's, it, 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 he is beholden to the voters now. But um, again, sorry, I'm sorry to be partisan. I'm sorry if there are, are any Trump voters listening, I can't imagine there's that many who listen to that. That's, but if there are, I, I don't want to be more divisive. But I'm sorry, but it, it seems like uh, if Trump wins another election, he has shown what he wants to do. I know that's what, what he would want to do, I don't want to happen. And I think he uh, might play ball at the moment to not disenfranchise uh, young voters who use social media who might vote for him. But as soon as the election's over, if he wins, He's going to pull the trigger. Like, he hasn't been subtle about what he wants to do, really. Let's put it that way. You know what? First of all, um, I appreciate you being sensitive to potential listeners about this. Uh, I think I've made my position very clear. However, the supposed beauty of my country is that everyone has the... Uh, has the ability to have freedom of speech, which let's be clear, doesn't mean you can say whatever you want, but it means you're supposed to be able to say it without fear of persecution by the government. That's what freedom of speech is. And I find my fellow countrymen so often conflating it with something else that isn't appropriate. But everyone is entitled to their political views and their opinion. It's I just get scared of the people where their political views 
are what define them. Um, and I also get scared about the current state of things in this country, not specifically because of Donald Trump, but specifically because there are so many indicators that we are. Um, a lot of people say that we're on the verge of falling into an autocracy when realistically speaking, uh, if you ask my opinion, that veil was lifted a while ago, considering you had somebody in charge of the U.S. Senate who was able to control what does and does not come to vote on the floor uh, with such an iron grip that has occurred over the last, for example, four years. Uh, we've already been in that state. Like right now, honestly speaking, I fear for the uh, American experiment of democracy at this point. I, I truly do. Because for a long time, my fellow countrymen have always said that there are we don't need to be as concerned about this or that because there are checks and balances in place. But uh, the current administration has has basically thumbed itself at the, the norms, uh, if you will. And those checks and balances haven't really been in place. They haven't been enforced. And because of that, you know, I I'm not saying one man can bring it down, but we are very clearly at, at a at a precipice where there is so much volatility and so little compromise uh, that I don't know what even the next four years may hold. And yeah. and that is a scary prospect. There's a couple of things to that. One is a there were so many implicit rules that no one bothered to write the law in like uh, explicitly because everyone just knew you uh for instance when you became president you put uh, your uh finances into a double fine trust there didn't have to be a law because everyone just did it everyone knew everyone knew there would be such an uproar if you didn't he didn't and he got away with it mm -hmm. uh you have the other side of it whereby yeah, there are laws which are checks and balances, but it actually takes if the party who is in power has such a majority as as the Republicans do, they have to agree that they are going to put the rule of law over their party. And no matter what you say, if, even if you're in favor of the Republicans, you can't say that they've done that. Like, uh, you know, Watergate only happens because uh, their party is willing to put uh, um, Nixon to account. We've seen with Trump, the Republicans aren't willing to do that with Trump. So those checks and balances count for not. Like you know, if if you've got the person who decides whether or not something gets pardoned or something gets overturned, like if you someone's got the power to pardon the people who will go to jail uh, if they, uh, you know, if they go with them. Like so, uh, the the people who went with Trump uh, or many things, and they end up going to jail. If he can pardon them with just a brush of a pen, what's it matter? Like you know, it doesn't matter if they're sent to jail. He'll just pardon them straight away. Like you play ball, I'll pardon you. Mm -hmm. Nothing matters. Well, realistically speaking, uh, you know, wow, this got really heady. Especially yeah. considering we had such a such a a, a, a more mentally uh, helpful segment in your in your stream right before us i almost wanted to say no please let them keep talking let's cut me short because i'm getting something from this i'm feeling better and now you know we've just come in like a big concrete block and slammed that positive feeling down but um 
I, I'm always open to good discussion. And realistically speaking, first of all, it's nice to hear somebody's perspective that isn't in this country. Um, but the other side, too, is that that realistically, uh, I don't I don't fault Republicans. I don't fault Democrats. I don't hold any person uh, to any particular definition just because of their political affiliation. But from an a perspective of just uh, the concept of American democracy. If the next election cycle, uh, first of all, hopefully, if it occurs without interference, which, you know, at this point, with what feels like very little differences between the current administration and other uh, autocracies that are in place, where there is the the veil of democracy, but... Not truly. It's still controlled by one person or one party. Um, the only way that this will balance back out is going to be it's going to take two things. One, the election has to massively sway in one direction as uh, to use the term to provide a referendum on everyone. But the other thing, too, that needs to happen is this political polarization has to be depolarized because. The thing that that people have to remember is even though the Republicans in your district or even the Democrats or some swing voters or whoever voted you into office, you still represent everyone in your area that voted for you. So if the state of California voted me as its senator, I'm here to represent the blue, the red, the purple and the white and the anything, uh, whatever, or the green, any particular political affiliation. I'm still their representative, regardless of my political affiliation. That doesn't happen right now. And the other thing that needs to be put into place, are, I think, are certain law changes because you we can't have a system where you have one person that's in charge of a political party and the majority and you know locks things down in a way that have been locked down i mean uh, the democratic uh, controlled congress has passed i think over 200 laws that they've sent to the senate for voting and they haven't come to the floor for a vote and that right there means that the Senate is essentially turning its back on the quote-unquote will of the voting people. And it also, once again, shows there's no compromise. There is no coming across the aisle and attempting to actually and effectively negotiate terms for either side so that you can have a compromise. And it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. I honestly don't know if we're going to come back from this. I really don't. I don't know if, if we if we can go back to how things were, because this polarization is something that has increased since the fifties and beyond. Um, and I can only think what you guys must think uh, of us. I mean, it was probably one thing when you heard, Oh, Trump got elected and then everything that's happened along the way. I, I don't know. I just, I'm disillusioned. Let's just leave it at that. Let me ask you a different question. Let's totally change lanes here. Uh, because let's go back to that Google News thing that I pointed out, uh, especially since we've only got 20 minutes left. Um, I'm noticing certain trends, and it could be because I clicked one story and now it's feeding me more, but are you starting to see Doctor Who speculation and news creeping in more of the news cycles in your area? Because at least in my news feed, I am. It seems like every other day there's something that's talking about what is going to be 
uh, series 13's uh, storyline? Who is going to stay? What are the ramifications? They're still bringing up articles about the ramifications of the timeless children or the timeless child or or whatever it was uh, in relation to who can. So are you seeing news stories or is this just the algorithm messing with me? I have not been. I mean, I think there is a part, though, whereby I get so much of it on my Facebook feed because uh, obviously I did uh, over 300 episodes of a Doctor Who podcast. So you tend to get a lot of people writing and publishing articles and all sorts. And honestly, I really I I love Doctor Who so much. I don't want to read any more about it. I just I just got sick and tired of like either the prophetizing for Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chimble beyond probably the evidence of how good it is right now if i'm for me uh and also the opposite of people saying it's like doctor who is dead nothing annoys me more than articles saying doctor who is dead it's like r.i.p doctor who. it's like it, it's still being made it's not dead like you it's just not what you like in it right now uh and it's not necessarily at the moment what i've really loved about doctor who it has been exemplified by the last series i i did not like the times chart thing but um, but that's fine. Like uh, you know, I cannot like it, and I can know next series. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by the fact that uh, I know this isn't a question you asked, but yeah, uh, I'm kind of intrigued by the fact that Graham and Ryan are leaving. And my one my biggest beef about uh, Jodie Whittaker, Jodie Whittaker's time as the Doctor, is that I think we're suffering from the fact that it's still a male showrunner. I think he is still giving the best lines. Sometimes Graham and Graham as the physically oldest character is getting the wise sage words, which should go to the doctor who is infinitely older. Like she is, she's the doctor. The doctor is always the, the wise one in the room, even when they're not being they're kind of, they still are someone like sometimes they're doing a bit of a Columbo. They may be acting like a fool, but they're really intelligent underneath it. And I'm actually really just looking forward to, uh, uh, a female Time Lord, a female companion. Let's see what she can do when she is actually uh, hopefully written to better. Again, I think a, a female showrunner is really what's needed to write a really good female Doctor at this stage. But anyway, yeah, that's not what you asked, but that, that's kind of my thing on that. But well, I, I guess I kind of avoid articles because uh, I feel like it's it's not about what's actually happening to Doctor Who, it's about what someone's trying to sell me about what they think about Doctor Who. Which is exactly what's popping up in my newsfeed, but I thought maybe there might be a chance that at least it may be coming topical since we are at least creeping towards the holiday season and we're supposed to be, see the Dalek-themed uh, holiday episode. But it's it's funny you mentioned that about the writing because what, one of the things that I looked back at after rewatching the last series as well and the one before it is that um although excellently added, acted by Whitaker in the role for some reason there is something in the character and it may be kind of what you bring up where I haven't been able to I haven't been given that thing that helps me connect with the doctor it was a big thing that I had a problem with I think in in Capaldi's early days which is something that really easily got transformed, uh, I think, about midway through his run. They started, he he lost the gruffness and there was more humanity that was brought to this non-human. And, and I was able to connect with him more. Um, and and I, I don't feel like we've been given the opportunity to see inside of 
Whitaker's doctor in that way. There haven't been those moments that really help connect us. I mean, clearly she's clever. Clearly there's a lot going on, but but I haven't been able to have those moments to connect with her doctor, if you will. Granted, I've got her sonic screwdriver on the wall behind me, so that is a connection, but it's not a good enough one. That's just merchandise. But I uh, I, I, I think I will, I will like to see also what the new series is going to be without having such a top-heavy cast as well. And that might help because you've when you've got that many people, you've if you're going to try and be fair to the actors and keep them engaged, you've also got to kind of sprinkle the work around, if you will. So... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for the new series, but, um, man, boy, do I really miss some of those, uh, uh, Tennant and, uh, Smith moments where you can tell the doctor is kind of figured out what's going on and he's going through his journey to let whoever is behind this have an opportunity to redeem themselves before he'll bring down his version of hellfire for sure. I, I I fear at the moment it's almost like uh, someone's writing Doctor Who based on being told about Doctor Who episodes. So I feel like Chris Chibnall, he hasn't developed his own... I, I'm not feeling a sense of his overall style for what it is. All I keep on thinking is parallels to other things that have already happened. So Gallifrey got destroyed before and then was brought back, so he's re-destroyed it. Uh, we had this wonderful thing of the War Doctor... The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. It was such a revelation, something so unique. Then they did it again by having the Timeless Child storyline and having the uh, Joe Martin doctor, the fugitive doctor, I believe she's being known as now. Uh, it, it's all stuff just I've seen before. I'm not getting anything new, nothing exciting. I don't mean to completely go full nerd on this, but like the moment they made the Timeless Child reveal, I'm like, okay, somebody's really trying to make a name for themselves now. But the other thing that I instantly thought is, okay, so then if the Joe doctor is the doctor before the doctor we've ever known, why on earth is the TARDIS a police call box? Yeah. That is like the one biggest plot hole that just goes to show that like somebody really wasn't paying attention to the past when they were considering the future. And I think they'll probably try and retcon it somewhere where that kind of makes sense and it'll be very lame. But I mean, there's also, it's like another one of these moments which feel like it's an impression of something in the past. Uh, they've used the idea of the Doctor being the sum of their memories and that being so powerful. That, that's been a thing which has been explored before. In the uh, Timeless Child episodes, the Doctor uses her mind to break the Matrix because all the power of her memories and everything. Now, Matrix is the repository for all of the, uh, every Gallifreyan's uh, mind, including the Doctor's, including memories the Doctor doesn't have. So even just at the level of the Doctor, let alone all those other Time Lords, it has more information on the Doctor than the Doctor has at this stage. So why does she break it with her memories? Her memories are less than, than what's there. It makes no sense. It's just a pastiche of a moment we've seen before where... No, you're more than some of your memories. And it's like we're going to have this aha moment. But if you think about it for a second, nothing makes sense about it. Yeah, unfortunately. We also just alienated like uh, probably 90% of the listeners because <laughs> we just we went full hardcore nerd. But, you know, it's like I don't think we ever had that kind of summation conversation other than a Facebook chat. And and honestly speaking, that's one of the things that I, I kind of look forward to always uh, during a new doctor who season was then appearing 
on Gallifrey stands because I knew I would have that one dedicated period where I could hardcore geek out talking about the show, you know? Because that's well, now what... we get a couple of years when I've forgotten how uh, how much it taxes me to do on these squee fests. <laughs> <laughs> and and you always bring me in near the end too. You always bring me near in, in like some of the harsher hours. So I'm like always like. I... I need you people from overseas. I need the the Americans and the Australians and the people in different time zones because like no English people are up. So I need like I've actually this time uh, uh, there's a fantastic comedian from Mumbai who's coming on and I've had pal. He's on uh, my time uh, eight o'clock in the morning because I well no just seven o'clock I think it is because like I just know that no uh, English people are up then. So I have to get people when when I can get them. I, I just love that I, I start bringing up socio-political commentary at 5 a.m. your time. That was a that was a rough call for me. What was what was I thinking, man? What was I thinking? Hey, are you a are you a gamer at all? I'm um no, not really at all. No, mm. I, I haven't gamed in a very long time. Yeah, you're kind of probably in the same boat as me though, because like apparently the entire uh, gaming world was was rocked hardcore because of the of the announce. And the pre-order situation of the PS5, because it came in two versions, right? There's basically one with a, uh, a, a disk drive and another without. And a $100 price point uh, difference in that. So one is like all online and downloads for your media. And uh, a really attractive price point. And this is the first time the, the PS line, uh, PlayStation line has been updated, I think, since 2013. But uh, that was great because it came in to a point where people, for some reason, are, are just willing to say, yeah, you know, $4.99 for a gaming console. I'm down. Uh, but also, apparently, their pre-order uh, situation was just an absolute nightmare. And I was hoping to get your perspective on it. But sounds like you're just like me, where I'm, I'm, I'm basically going to the generation behind me saying, okay, do I really need a PS5? Which I know I don't. Because There's last year for Christmas, I got a PS4. And the Spider-Man video game is a gift. Literally, I played Marvel's Spider-Man from beginning to end, and the PS4 has just been disconnected since. Haven't even hooked it back up yet. <laughs> there is something I can weigh in on this, because it's something interesting, and I think it is something generational. And I think uh, we may be the last people to sort of like give up on this, or certainly our generation, is the idea of having physical memory. Like more and more stuff's going to online and you just get stuff in the cloud. And always my thought is like the, the Surface will go for the Surface Pro, for instance. It mostly relies on cloud storage and stuff like that. But what happens if you're out of signal? You don't have your phones. You don't have your laptop effectively for that period. And that's always my thought. Like until they get it so there's universal Wi-Fi everywhere so there's no dull spots. I don't want a laptop which is only useful while I can get a signal. And that's how I feel about these games is I still want physical memory. I, I'm I'm with you. Be, and and I, I also equate it to uh, my entertainment. I, I, I am very big on movies and watching TV. And so much has moved to streaming. I still, even though it's a double-edged sword, I still will tend to buy physical media and make sure that I get a digital code with it that I can redeem, so that way I can have the convenience of streaming it. But I want the physical media in the event that I'm doing something else, like a road trip with the kids, so you can have something playing. Or uh, just, you know, hey, 
you know, the internet is slow, but I know this Blu-ray or this uh, HD disc is going to play no matter what. But even that comes with a double-edged sword because, like, so much has gone streaming and I ended up replicating so much of my memory, or as I said, uh, pardon me, my library, or as I've said, I've collected so many um, digital codes with my media that all of it is streaming anyway. I literally was faced with the decision of what do I do with all these damn things now? What's the what's the most efficient way to store them? Because right now I've literally got two huge boxes of Blu-rays in the garage. And it's like, what do you do with them? It's frustrating. It's so frustrating. But we don't yeah. there's no way to win in this exchange. Uh, Yami has just put in the chat. And this is an interesting point that uh, LPs recently actually outsold CDs recently. And it is this weird kind of thing of, of physical media come back around. It becomes retro. But but you see, LPs, uh, vinyl, if you will, uh, for me, this is super exciting because as an audiophile, uh, because I am, look, if you ever talk to me about Avengers Endgame, at some point I'm always going to bring up, so now I'm saving everyone else talking to me about this movie, one of the things I appreciated the most that I picked up on, even in the movie theater, was at the point where, spoilers, Tony Stark grabs the gauntlet, right? And, and then there is that moment where his glove is basically stealing the gems from the glove that Thanos has on, from that gauntlet. If you listen... You can hear gears and clicks and turning because you know that that physical, well, you don't know it that the first time you see it, but that physical transfer is happening because some sound engineer knew we need to put something in here to indicate that this transfer is happening. But for me also, I was just super excited because it was a detail that some audio artists knew had to be in there and it further expanded the experience for me. A, a, a few years ago, they were able to demonstrate using high fidelity recordings the difference uh, in music from LPs versus CDs and especially MP3s. With the massive adoption of MP3s in the industry, we lost so much sound quality. There are sound details, for example, in Stairway to Heaven. If you play an original LP, up against the mp3 you will hear details and resonance in the guitars that you do not hear today in digital media and so i'm super excited for lps to be coming back because it means people are hearing things as the artists originally recorded and intended and they it just provides so much more detail and so much uh, beauty and 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 it's just one of those things where i i really hope it continues, and I hope it leads to a greater revolution in the world of music and in compression and decompression. So we come up with better ways to better capture and maintain the artistry that was made. And I think there's a thing there about like a competition breeds a better. Like so, uh, where streaming just became the defunct de facto like it was mp3s and then it was streaming like uh, that's become the de facto form of enjoying your music like you get spotify or one of the other services that's how you do it and when they don't have any competition from anything they've got no interest in making a better listening experience because they know their convenience will outstrike anything else if lp starts sounding better and uh, there's an alternative they then have got a reason to make that experience better to make the depth of sound better and uh, I still think 
I don't think we're at the stage where LPs is enough of a threat where they're going to bother themselves. So uh, we need to to show something that we demand that that we won't just put up with streaming. And I'm I'm bad for it myself. Like streaming is so convenient, I end up doing that. And and I I I guess I need to be part of the solution more than the problem. Is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, and it's true. And I wish I was too. But you know, the geek in me absolutely loves that I can talk to a little device in my house and I can instantly be listening to whatever I want or I can say something as nerdy as computer office lights red and then this happens I love that and I decide it's wrong and I go computer office lights blue whammo I'm in the future well it how it if you don't have it if you don't have it key in on the word Alexa it's a little more sketchy but now I look like I'm burning in hellfire, which, hey, welcome to California and the U.S. as well, because that's the theme of everything. Uh, anyway, we are we are uh, really coming up on time. I just have to say, sir, I always enjoy our conversations. I hope and pray that we can have more of them and that we have more of them in a positive light in the future with probably not as heavy of topics as we did this one. And I salute your efforts every year for trying to make the world better through the medium that we both love. So thank you for all of that. Thank you so much. Computer, um, office like, lights blue. These things don't happen with people like you, uh, without people like you joining me, and without people like you um, giving me someone to talk to, giving me these interesting shows to play off. I, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of NetEd, so uh, thank you for having me on uh, multiple times now. It, it's a pleasure. And thank you for having me on. And hey, everybody, when it gets to be too much, just remember, take a deep breath, and if the sun is shining, go outside, and just for a couple minutes, look up, close your eyes, smile at the sun, and just try and think a happy thought, because that's all we can really do when it all comes down to it. And turn to the ones you love around you. That that's something which uh, doesn't go in and out of fashion. It it um, it's hard for that to harder for that to go wrong than global things. Which is very true. Which is why the moment we wrap up here, I am going to be shutting all of this down, inflating an air mattress in my family room, and camp with my six-year-old daughter who is so excited to be able to have a sleepover with dad so and mind you we all live in the same house and i am still married so you know technically it's not a sleepover but it's her definition and she's excited so that's all it takes right okay, sir. all right well until next time folks uh this has been another edition of netheads my name is will my name's been dr squeak and until next time, well, one of us anyway, will be back soon. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. Well, not. Signing off. Oh. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. NetHeads. 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 We'll be back soon. Goodbye.